We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Tuesday, the second day of August, the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? How was your weekend? Healthy and alive. Um, weekend was great. Uh, we had quite a bit of rain. Uh, so, like, things are starting to green up again, and, and it's really nice. going to have to mow the lawn again soon. Oh, the humanity of it all. You actually have to mow the lawn. Why don't you get one of those um, those robot lawnmower things? I was actually looking at those a couple of weeks ago down at the, uh, well, it's basically it's like a Home Depot here or a, a Lowe's or whatever. It's their equivalent to it. They've got these things and you can buy, they're only a couple of hundred bucks and it's like the Roomba things, you know, the vacuums for your houses, but this will actually go around and mow your lawn and then go back and charge itself. Might not be bad. It might work in the backyard actually with the uh, terrain and everything the way it is. It's pretty yeah. flat. Well, yeah, you guys, I don't think you even know what a, well, a hill out there to you guys, I think is what, like five feet. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do actually have our front yard is actually when we have snow and ice, you do not go out and get the mail. Oh, it's like that. Yeah. OK, so yeah. it's it's a slight incline down. Mm -hmm. And then you, mm -hmm. if you take one step on that, you're going to just slide right, right off. down yeah, to okay. the bottom. Uh -huh. Yeah. OK, I guess the good news is, is that, well, it's it's the middle of summer, so we don't have the, the freezing climate change going on right now. We won't have that until the winter when you get an ice storm and it's called the worst thing that you've ever seen. And it's never happened before. And oh, my God, it's the end of the world. That's what it'll be. Except we had that exact thing happen back when the Dust Bowl happened. We had the craziest weather with the Dust Bowl, you know, and then literally that winter was the worst winter. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that you and I were looking at some photos, vintage photos from well, it was well over 100 years ago. And it was Niagara Falls completely frozen. I mean, frozen solid. And I want to say it was 1908 is when it was. People were out there walking around on the waterfalls themselves. Normally, that would just sweep you right over the side and off you go and no one would ever see you again. I mean, they'd recover your body a couple of miles down the river. But um, no, completely frozen. And then New York back in the 1930s and 1940s, if you look at, I think it was like 32nd Street or something, 32nd in Manhattan, snow was actually it was about 18 inches below the top of the lampposts. And people had to dig these big trenches along through there so they could they could get through there. Boy, we don't see that kind of snow in, in New York anymore, do we? No. Were they calling it climate change back then? I don't think so. No one even knew what it was. It was still climate change, though, because uh, the Industrial Revolution still had happened. So clearly it was still climate change, even though the... The damage, the amount of CO2 and everything that was put into the atmosphere at that time wasn't enough to trigger those kind of events like they say it does based on their own, you know, arguments. But I guess that doesn't matter. Right. No, it doesn't matter. You know what? We're going to talk more because we did we did play yesterday's about the uh, the big climate change lie. And I, I don't I don't really want to get into it. But since we're on that topic, let's play this one thing, because I want to get into the Pelosi thing about her visiting Taiwan and how that's just nothing but a bunch of theater. 
And now you've got British MPs coming out saying that they're going to go over there too. But we'll get to that in a second. Just on this climate change thing, this was out over the weekend off of Sky News Australia. This is Alan Jones. We didn't have a chance to play this, obviously, on yesterday's podcast, but it would have been great to play it if only we had the audio of it, bringing everything to light that we had mentioned before, obviously. This is just, this is confirmation is all, as to saving the environment, saving the planet, reducing your emissions, reducing your carbon footprint or whatever it is they say that you need to do. Are you really? Are you doing that by buying an electric car? Are you doing that by putting a solar panel on your house? Are you doing that by, I don't know, using hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer money on wind farms? Which, by the way, I saw the one that was hit by lightning in Oklahoma and how it was spinning as it was on fire. And then it just it all went up in flames and the whole thing just fell down. I did see that. That was that was interesting. Uh, but Alan Jones, Sky News, Australia. The batteries in Tesla's S models weigh between 480 and 540 kgs with a six to eight year warranty. Engineers say that each battery has about 10 kgs of lithium salt. And it appears that that's the only part of the battery that can be recycled. You're asking where all this rubbish is going to be dumped. Already there are suggestions that 300,000 solar panels, how many tonnes is that, have reached their use by date and councils are complaining they've run out of landfill area. Yet our politicians are boasting we have nearly reached 3 million homes with solar systems. My viewers are not stupid. They know that most solar systems have at least 10 panels. Many have more. So that's 30 million panels, 2.5 million tonnes of waste. And you're asking me where this toxic waste is going to be dumped because all of the panels up to now can't be recycled. And if you add all the solar panels in shopping centres, factories and clubs and caravans and many businesses, the total could be double that, which can be attributed to private houses. Now, Mike O'Connor wrote a very interesting piece in Brisbane's Korea Mail last week about what he called a new environmental hazard, and he referred to comments by the Federal Education Minister, Susan Lee, arguing that solar panels represented, quote, a landfill nightmare. And she's demanded that solar panel companies produce a collection and recycling scheme to deal with them. Well, enforce it, Susan, before they get a licence to build the bloody things. Mike O'Connor made the point that no one has yet found a way to deal with the junk when solar panels reach their use by date apart from digging big holes and burying them, which, to use his words, is not exactly cutting-edge recycling technology. And as he says, that's the problem with the warm and fuzzy feeling you get from going green. You might think you're saving the planet, but you're creating a new environmental hazard. Taking up the point that I've made about the electric car batteries, what do we do with batteries when they've got to be replaced 500 kgs each one? Where are they dumped? Politicians are silent on all of this and believe that somehow this stuff leads to a better environment. Presumably that involves digging holes in the ground to dispose of two and a half million tonnes of waste every year. Are we saving the environment? Are you cutting down on your carbon footprint by buying an electric vehicle, which they say that it's going to be mandatory for everybody? Of course, now they're actually going a step further, the World Economic Forum, and they're saying, no, you're not going to own a car at all. You're going to have uh, shared cars. You're going to have communal cars. You're going to have a shared ride experience because all products are services, right? Right. What was, what was it that that Danish politician woman said? She said she has a friend who says that every product is a service waiting to happen. Why do you want to own that thing? Why do you want to own that phone? Why do you want to own that that dryer, that clothes washer? Why do you want to own that that refrigerator, that appliance? You don't want to own that. No, you want to lease it because you want the service, right? 
You want to lease it so they can keep you in a perpetual cycle of just constantly getting more money out of you, more social credits out of you. That's what it's all about is doing what you're told. And then in the meantime, they're telling you, oh, look, you're doing good. You're doing great by saving the environment when in fact they're toxifying the environment at light speed. So are you really saving the environment by buying that electric car after hearing that? Again, we've been talking about this for years now, but by putting solar panels in and believe me, I've got them. I've got them. They do help a little bit. But the question remains, what do I do with them when I'm finished with them? What happens to them then? Is there a program that's being put together like these like this guy was talking about or the MPs down in Australia like like he's talking about saying you need to implement a program for collection, but how about we start it before they're even manufactured to stop them from manufacturing them? We're at the limit now of what solar panel technology can do. It's not going to go any further than this. This is it, at least with the materials we've got, unless we come up with some kind of a new way here that these things can be manufactured and then repurposed. But we're at the limit of what solar panels can do. So Apart from doing what these uh, these know nothings in like the governments and the corporations are saying that the reason they're not working is because you don't have enough of them. So let's manufacture more of the same problem. No, that's not the answer. That is not the answer. The answer is, is that you find an alternative source. You innovate your way out of it. The reason we're not innovating is because the people that are in these positions of so-called power and authority don't know how to innovate. They have never built anything Nothing ever. This is not their specialty. Their specialty is lying to you and being a politician. They don't know how to build anything. It's like being a diplomat. You're not a diplomat. You're a moron. They don't actually know how to accomplish something. Most of them. I'm not saying all diplomats are like that, but they just know how to give you some nice talk and and some nice political reassurances and make a deal here and there to make sure that everybody gets along okay. They don't actually solve a problem. Like, for example, if you have a diplomat that goes over to say, oh, I don't know, Israel and Palestine, there's a good example. And someone goes in there and thinks that they're going to solve a 4,000 year old problem because no one else has been able to do it. Well, why can't this person do it? You can't solve that problem because they're not interested in you solving that problem for them. It's the same thing with this. We're not interested, as in we the people, we're not interested in having you know nothings try and solve this problem for us. We can figure this out for ourselves using the free market of ideas. So I'll ask the original question again. Are you reducing your carbon footprint? Are you saving the environment? Uh, I I can actually say, yeah, but that's because I'm not doing these electric vehicles and uh, whatnot. But, you know, it's as as we just highlighted, as we've talked about before, this isn't recyclable stuff. Uh, We should be looking at other technologies As was stated, you should have had a recycling plan to begin with. So then it would have pushed businesses to innovate and use other materials Uh, instead of using this uh, lithium ion. As an example, uh, we would be using something else, maybe, you know, graphene, aluminum or uh, whatever. Even the the, the nano diamonds batteries that we've seen talked about. I mean, anything that is recyclable could have been a better solution than this. I know for a fact that the lithium uh, aluminum ones that they're working on now are not lithium aluminum, the uh, the graphene aluminum ones, they're 87 ish percent effective. So they're 87 percent of a lithium battery. And those, but can they're, be re- those can be recycled or repurposed or you, you don't have to recycle them because they never go bad. Oh, they don't degrade well, like lithium. That's that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. So lithium, the problem with lithium is as you use it, the, the lithium becomes cracked. 
and it's no good anymore. It loses um, electrons and whatnot. It, it basically degrades. Uh, I don't know about lithium salts. That one is uh, I, I'm I'm not familiar with how that one does it comparatively. Yeah, you, you can you can repurpose that. That's the only part of these lithium batteries you can repurpose, as he was saying. But that's only that only makes up for 50 kilograms, which is about 100 pounds uh, or a little over 100 pounds. It, it only makes up for that amount. You've got the rest that are like 1,600 pounds. Uh, or 500 kilograms of batteries that you have to throw in a landfill so because you can't do anything with it it's it's completely destroyed there's no way to repurpose that but the lithium salts the lithium sodium or whatever it is that can be repurposed that's fine so why not use um you know other solutions that don't degrade or yeah as i as i stated with the nano diamond one those when done properly uh can last a very very long time in other words we're we're talking like a thousand years plus uh basically it's using um a a a type of diamond that's manufactured from nuclear waste and that diamond is able to absorb radiation both or both all of radiation so the alpha beta gamma all of that can be uh, absorbed and turned into electricity so it would benefit the human race to go down that road and and explore those options i mean either way the graphene one would be a great solution for recycling plastics uh, as an example and then you know you could have your nuclear power plants and then when the nuclear power plant's done and you have the nuclear waste you can either turn that into thorium reactor uh, fuel or you can take uh well you probably would actually because there's there's two parts to the the reactor the, the graphene part of the reactor is taken and turned into the diamond, and then you have the actual uranium rod uh, that would then be turned into uh, thorium for a thorium reactor. Uh, but Nuclear? Bruce, nuclear? No, 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 no. You make it sound like nuclear would actually give you electricity, and it would be clean, except for, of course, the nuclear waste, which, again, you can repurpose that. And there's something else that you can do with a nuclear reactor. Uh, it's this crazy thing you can make called hydrogen. It's funny. Uh, and then you can make cars that run on that efficiently. It's incredible what you can do with that stuff. Oh, and by the way, when you run cars off of hydrogen, I know this this is very harmful to the environment. The waste product from that is clean water vapor. Now you see you see how dirty that is for the environment. You see how awful that is for the environment. Well, we can't do that. That that's a problem then cuz then we might cause floods and whatnot. So it's just yeah. going to cause more yeah. climate change. Yes. Yes, of course. It's I mean just think Bruce, just think of the the global warming. Just think of that. What's wrong with you? Germany prepares for an impending energy crisis as they shut off warm water and lighting. Um, they have a regulatory agency here. It's called the TUV, the T uh, TUV. And basically, it's it's a regulatory agency that oversees the safety standards of pretty much everything. So uh, cars, uh, machinery, uh, building codes, th these types of things. They oversee everything. I mean, they, they look at quality controls on everything. And believe me, the Germans, they have some of the highest quality control standards in the world. And that is no word of a lie. They have very high quality standards when it comes to products, services, and, uh, and building standards here, and production standards, manufacturing, and all the rest of it. The head of that organization publicly said last week to the German government, we can turn all these reactors on because they've mothballed their nuclear reactors. We can turn all these nuclear reactors back on tomorrow. There is not a question of safety. They have already been cleared 
to be as safe as they can possibly be. We can turn all these on and we will have no energy crisis. The Germans will have no energy crisis in their homes, at least. Now, at the as far as like at the petrol station to get fuel in your car, that's something else. That's another problem. But at least people will not be freezing inside their homes. But see, that individual also made another statement after that. He said, it is only a matter of political will. That's the only thing stopping it. So if we're looking at a situation where it's only a matter of political will, well, then that logically should tell you that it is being done on purpose, shouldn't it? Yes, it should. Germany's biggest cities are preparing for a massive energy crisis this winter as the country prepares to limit heat and shut off warm water and lighting. Well, you see, it's that damn Putin. It's that damn Vladimir Putin. That You see that guy over there? It's him that's caused this problem. The German city of Hanover is scrambling to reduce its energy consumption by 15%. Well, how about if you just you turn your shower off every night, you say, take that, Putin, because that'll fix it. Yeah, that'll fix it. Boy, you people are, man, I'm telling you. The German government will prevent Hanover's municipal buildings from using heating that exceeds a temperature of 68 degrees Fahrenheit. That's actually interesting because I'm betting that the government buildings are probably not going to lose that much power in heating and water. I'm betting they're not. And I'm betting that the people that are making these decisions to turn off these things for you and I and everyone else living in this country, I'm betting that the politicians... Those people that are keeping these resources from being utilized, I bet you they're not going to lose these things in their houses, are they? No, probably not. Just like I'm sure Bill Gates and, and dear old Klaus Schwab, I'm sure that they're not going to eat filet mignon after they ban it from your table, right? I'm sure they're not going to eat it. Uh-huh. I'm sure they're going to eat bugs too, right? I don't see that happening. Additionally, the city of Hanover has also banned mobile air conditioning units and fan heaters as an energy crisis looms. Turn your nukes on. Just like we were screaming about six months ago. Turn your nukes on. Turn them on. And there is no energy crisis. None. The city's residents will also need... No, you see that need. The city's residents will also need to adapt by taking cold showers at city-run facilities. Hanover will also shut off hot water in public buildings, swimming pools, and gyms. The city of... Uh, th this is why they're doing it there. Okay, now it makes sense. The city of Hanover's mayor, who is a Green Party member... There's your reason right there. That's why it's being done there, because they've got some WEF hack in there. Says that the situation is unpredictable. Oh, it's very predictable. It's very predictable if you actually just level with people and say, hey, look, you know, we're doing this because well, that's because of climate change. And it's it's because of your carbon footprint. You're bad and you got to take a cold shot. You can't have hot water anymore. Right. Because it's for the earth. Every kilowatt hour count. I'm quoting every kilowatt hour counts and protecting critical infrastructure has to be a priority. We are facing hard times due to Russian aggression in Ukraine. <laughs> you hear that? Yeah. Blame Putin. Yeah. Putin. Putin bad. You know something? The same reason that I'm going to explain the whole Pelosi and Taiwan thing today is the same reason that is behind Putin and Ukraine. The same thing. They're playing the same game. It's the same script. It's just different actors on a different stage. That's all it is. I don't believe Putin is actually against what Klaus and company are doing. They have to make it look like that. Of course they do. But I think he's actually for it. Of course, Russia and China want the West to commit suicide economically, financially, and all the rest of it. Of course they do. The mayor went on to say, and as we see that there's a looming gas shortage created by them, don't forget that. This is a major challenge for municipalities. I think everyone, not only the municipalities, the federal government also, and also every single person in Germany is needed for this. Oh, yeah, you see, come together. 
Yeah. Everybody come together. We're going to deal with this together. You know something? The people can deal with this just fine. Just get out of the way. You're in the way. That's the problem is political agendas are in the way. Government, once again, is in the way. Everyone has to save energy as much as possible so we can get through this winter. Okay, and then then what? Then what? So you get people through the winter, then what? The next crisis and the next one and the next one. So there's going to be a, a heating crisis, a water crisis, an electricity crisis, and you're saying a fuel crisis. What's that going to mean for a spring planting season? Anything? I don't think so. And if you don't have a spring planting season, then that means you don't have a fall harvest. They're not telling you that, are they? Look what's happening with the Dutch farmers right now. Don't think there aren't German farmers up there on the border that are joining them because they are. They want to do the exact same thing everywhere in every country that does farming. Germany, Germany and France and the Netherlands are big farming countries, big farming countries. The Dutch, the reason that they are hammering the Dutch so hard right now is because 67 percent of the land in the Netherlands is arable farmland, and it is in the hands of private ownership, the farmers. That's why they're hitting so hard on the Netherlands. It's the second largest exporter of food in the world, and they have to control food. They have to vertically integrate things before the collapse comes. And I'm talking about the financial collapse. They have to get everything in order. They have to grab control. Then they can pull the plug. And when it goes down, they're riding that paper tiger, which I don't think that's going to work, but I'm just thinking off the top of my head is if I were one of them, that's what I would want to do. Isn't it nice? You'll own nothing and be happy about it. I don't know how happy you'll be because uh, you'll continue having these shortages and whatnot of energy because everything will be green. So you won't be able to take a hot shower. Uh, You won't be able to have a nice, fresh, hot meal that, you know, had steak dinner, you know, those kind of things. No, it's going to be some kind of salad or something uh, that, that you'll be required to eat. And then all of this, like you're going to continue paying for the rest of your life. You bought a phone, right? Or or you're you're renting in this case. You're going to rent that phone for the rest of its life. However long you have that phone, you're never going to pay it off. Unlike now where you pay it off if you do a payment plan within 18 months and then you can resell the phone when you're done with it or, you know, keep it as a second device or something. It, it just I, I don't like their proposed ideas and what what they're saying we're going to do for the future. I'm, I'm not interested. You don't like all products being services? You don't like that? Think about how convenient that would be for you. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be very convenient because when I want to use my phone and I have to borrow the phone and lease it or I want to use a computer or I want to go take a hot shower, I'm not going to be allowed to because we have to worship the earth. Uh, based on uh, crackpot false science that we were talking about yesterday. This is the Danish politician that wrote an article back in 2016 for the World Economic Forum that went out to all the major publications such as Forbes magazine, The Atlantic, uh, The Economist, and and several others. Uh, It was just basically it was mirrored everywhere. And of course, it was published on the World Economic Forum's website itself. She's a World Economic Forum agenda contributor. Imagine having an actual title like that. Uh, Ida Aukin, right? Take a listen to this. And the third thing I will point to is a very big move that's happening at the moment from product to service. I have a friend, he says, every product is a service waiting to happen. If you think about it, I mean, your cell phone, 
why why do you want to own your cell phone? Does it, how, do, how many of you own your cell phones? How many knows if the company owns it? It's actually not a lot. I mean, you want the you want the function, you want the service, right? Why do you want to own a cell phone if you can just lease it? And if you lease, why why shouldn't you lease your refrigerator or your washing machine or your dishwasher or why do you want to own it? Well, I want to own it, lady. Like th this is an individual that is like there. There's no helping this type of an individual to reconnect them to the real world. I want to own it because I want to keep scumbags like you out of my private life. That's why. Do, do you remember the the clip that we played of the fat man uh, Khan back in the '60s and his yeah. assistant, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. they said, "Okay, so it's settled in the future. A societal utopia will be achieved at the expense of your private life." Well, I'm not interested in that type of a utopia. I'm not interested <laughs> at all. Who owns their no, phone? Um, you don't know whether or not you own your phone. You don't know that. How many people think that it's owned by them or the company? It's not a lot. Is it not? I mean, I buy my phones outright. I've been doing that for years, decades. I've been buying them outright. I don't do that contract garbage. I don't do any of that. I don't need the new latest and greatest. I used to. I used to be one of those early adopters. Not anymore. Once I figured out what these people were doing. But now, now it's essential that you do these things. If you want to be an independent person away from the system, and quite frankly, if everyone did this, I'm not advocating for everyone to do this because ultimately it's down to the individual to do this, make their own mind up. But if everyone did this, it's the same thing as an act of disobedience, civil disobedience, just like I'm not wearing a mask anymore. I'm not doing a COVID test anymore. I'm not taking a vaccine. I'm not locking down. I'm not doing any of this crap anymore. It's the same thing when it comes to your digital life. If you want to go out and build your own smartphone, there is absolutely nothing that these people can do. They have no digital ID, no digital wallet, no digital social credit system or cash or any of that other crap that they're going to ruin your life with. They have none of that if they don't have control of the devices. If you don't own that device, then you have no say as to who controls that device. That device will control you. And to a great extent, they already do. Do you know how many people I see on a daily basis walking down the street glued to their phone, oblivious to the world around them? I'm surprised more people don't walk out in traffic, to be fair, because they're not paying attention. They're too busy flipping through their feeds on I don't know, social media or whatever it is that they're doing or taking photos and selfies and videos. Or I mean, the, the thing to do now is I'm going to have a video call on speakerphone while I'm walking down the street. That's your favorite thing to do now, apparently. Who else is listening to that call? What are you talking about on that call? What information are you putting onto these social media platforms? Which nearest we can tell, most of these things are run by former employees of the CIA. And they were, in fact, created out of the universities by grant programs from the intelligence community to begin with. Every product is a service waiting to happen. I don't know what world that person grew up in, but that's no world that I want to live in. Every product is a service. We can't even get our supply chain to work well now. And you're going to put Klaus and company and these other these other yahoos that don't know how to build a product or a service. You're going to put them in charge of creating services. How's that going to work? Because I bet it'll be as big of a disaster as what these people already are. You, you kind of alluded to it uh, because it, I had the same thought uh, with uh, products or services and everything. You won't own any of the data on those devices any longer. I mean, it's already shaky to begin with because, you know, companies already 
They track all your text messages, all your phone calls and everything. And then uh, the government comes in and says, hey, we want uh, the, the records on such and such person. And the company's like, yeah, OK, here you go. Um, no warrant, nothing. They just the government just says, hey, we want these. And they say, OK, yeah. And it, it, January 6th, they, they didn't have any kind of um, if you look at some of these trials and then the way they went down, there was no discovery process or no charges filed or any of those kind of things. They went and got all these records first. Now, this is something they're already doing when you own the phone. Can you imagine how bad it's going to be when you no longer own the phone and you're renting it from the company? The company owns everything on that phone. So you're going to have personal photos on there? No, they aren't personal photos. You may find that your personal photo, if it's good enough, will be used as an advertisement without your say, and you won't be compensated for it. Instagram already does that. They already tell yeah. you anything that you upload to their website, Instagram, right? That Which is owned by Facebook. And I would imagine that Facebook and WhatsApp and the rest of these companies probably, I mean, or the rest of these subsidiaries, they'll all do the same thing. Anything you upload to Instagram, you no longer own. They can use that for whatever they want. If somebody wants to take your face, as Bruce just said, and stick it up there on a billboard somewhere, they can do that. And you can't sue them for it. Exactly. Now think of this in everything. Think of this, uh, that refrigerator that you're renting. That food that you have inside of it is not your food. That's the company that owns the refrigerator's food. That's and not yours. As you said last week, someone's using your bed when you're not in it. You know, it's, someone's using your house when you're not there. And so I guess someone's eating your food that's not your food that's in the refrigerator that's not your refrigerator when you're at your job that's not your job. Yeah, you'll be, uh, I mean, all living spaces will be communal. Uh, it'll be essentially like a barracks, uh, more or less. And then your work shift, uh, while you're working, someone will be in your bunk while you're working and then eating your food. You'll be in that bunk while they're working, you or know, and me, eating they, your bugs. I'm sorry, eating your bugs. Yeah, yeah. Eating your bugs. Yes. Yes. It, it'll be bugs now or synthetic meat. You might have synthetic meat from time to time. Uh, you'd be allowed that. And yeah, all the other health problems that comes with uh, synthetic foods. But, you know, well, yeah. now, see, that'll be a rare delicacy is what that'll be. That's only a privilege. You, you might get that on your birthday, you know, or, or maybe on a special occasion from time to time. I'd like to play a clip here. I know we said we we're going to move on. We're going to do that. But um, I want to play this clip here of an Australian senator named Malcolm Roberts. We've played him here before talking ill will of the uh, the Morrison government. But of course, Scott Morrison's no longer there. They've got this other Yahoo in there now. Uh, but this is him calling out the digital ID for the fraud that it actually is. The United Nations has a problem. How can they control the carbon footprint of the world's citizens? Very soon, government will tell our farmers what they can grow and punish Australian consumers if they buy the wrong things. The dream of micromanaging individual carbon emissions hinges on the soon-to-be-passed so-called Trusted Digital Identity Bill. If Scott Morrison and Barnaby Joyce want to achieve their net zero 2050 dream, freedoms must be slashed, removed. It is only through the relentless digital stalking of citizens that the Liberal Nationals government can micromanage purchasing choices. Businesses are punished with tax, while consumers get their credit score docked. This already happens in China, where a person's shopping list lowers their social credit score until they cannot travel. In Australia, it may be as simple as denying banking services because you dare to drive a four-wheel drive to work. Australian banks have already shown a keen interest in the trusted digital identity bill, saying it will, 
quote, allow them to create a rich view of their customers. These are the same banks that already list climate risk as a means to deny loans. When the Liberals tell you that digital identity will make your life easier, remember, there is no such thing as a free lunch. No such thing as a free lunch. Boy, I've heard that more than one time in my life. Haven't you? Yeah, uh, he's right. But uh, I would also I would also question uh, where were you on the whole vaccination and uh, COVID thing? There he in was Australia. He was he was doing the same thing. He was he was okay. a voice of opposition. He, he was. It. OK, good, good. OK, so he's consistent. That That's yes, good. He is. So that's how I remember who he was is because he was very outspoken in the parliament about the the nonsense of what the government was doing, along with um, Craig Kelly, you know, the the heavier set fella. Him. Yeah, yeah. as well. I remember yeah. him. Yeah. OK. OK. Well, uh, he's not wrong that that that's all going to happen already is happening uh, in China. So I guess the rest of the world is to follow suit for some reason. But yeah. All right. Yeah. Climate change. My goodness. What are we going to do? Climate change. Bruce, you remember Matt Hancock, you know, the one that was uh, with his assistant there that got caught on the uh, supposed hidden camera. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you remember him? I do. Yeah. 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 Former former UK health secretary. Yeah. He went on a hike over the weekend. He went around Mont Blanc and uh, well, it's just what he could see firsthand of climate change, what he could see of it with his own eyes. He was astonished and he he doesn't know how much time we have left. It was shocking to me last week that they closed Mont Blanc so we couldn't climb it because of the impact of the heat wave. But what's been even more shocking has been walking all the way around Mont Blanc, 110 miles, and to see the difference between the rivers that come from a glacier above that's melting. They're an absolute torrent. And then the rivers that come from parts of the mountain where there's no glacier, which are dry or a, or a tiny trickle. Right. You can see the water coming from the mountain as the glaciers are melting. And these rivers at the bottom of the mountain are absolutely huge because the heat wave is melting the ice at the top of Mont Blanc. But here, where there's no glacier above, there's no water at all. And it just shows the impact of climate change on the world around us. And this week, seeing it with my own eyes has really yes. brought home to me the impact of climate change. Right, right, right. Yeah, so you see, Bruce, because of climate change, you see where there's a glacier or glacier, as he calls it. But if there's a glacier at the top of the mountain, you see there's a raging torrent underneath of it. But where there's no glacier, there's there's no water coming through. But you see, that's climate change. It's not like that makes sense or anything, but you see that's climate change. It's almost like that's beneficial. Like uh, you have hotter temperatures and the glacier's melting. Which is and it's providing normal. water. Yeah. And it's providing water to the uh, crops and everything below. You know, the, the human civilization that uses water, you know. Uh, it's almost like that's, that's a good thing. Uh, it's almost like... Um, that's how our system works. Uh, and also, I want to point out, in that video, those uh, foliage and everything behind him, it's awful green for this time of year in this part of the country. Even the areas where it was dry. Yeah. It was very green. Yeah, here uh, and other places I've lived, uh, this time of year, it looks a little brown, dead. Uh, things are in remission because water, heat, I mean, uh, constant sunlight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, that is... Um, he wants to talk about climate change. Come visit here. 
when it's 110 degrees Fahrenheit and oh, don't give me we've any had ideas. no rain for, you know, a month and a half. Well, you know, you know, just as well as I do, he would be there to verify the temperature sensor that's just down the road from you that's in an asphalt parking lot somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we probably uh, I'd have to look, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we have some because uh, the university here probably has uh, um, their research into it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, on to Taiwan. Let's let's get on to Taiwan. This is the same thing that's going on in Ukraine. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you've got Putin, who is the bad man going into Ukraine, right? But as I said, when we were talking about the, quote, energy crisis here, that's all Putin's fault, as they're saying. Well, does Putin really want to do harm to the West? Well, yes, I believe that he does. But so do the people that run us. They want to do harm to the West as well, because for whatever reason, they're just they're suicidal maniacs. We talked yesterday about how all of this climate change garbage is just that. It's garbage. It's nonsense. It's fraud. The whole thing is fraud. It's fake. They faked the data for three decades, possibly longer, at least the last three decades that we know of, at least within our lifetimes. They have faked all of it. And now we're expected to change our entire civilization based on fraudulent data. I'm sorry, but that doesn't work like that. Not to somebody that's paying attention. You're never going to sell me on that now, ever. And you're not going to sell me on this this nonsense that you're against Putin when you both have the same enemy, and that is we the people of Western civilization. You're not going to tell me that you're against that. You can't tell me that. You can't convince me of that. You can't convince me that Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, you can't convince me that she's actually being threatened by China, the Chinese government more specifically, the Chinese Communist Party, even more specifically than that. You can't convince me that they're actually rivals. Why do I say that? Because her and her husband have tens of millions of dollars and investments in communist China. As Jack Posobiec tweeted today, the CCP doesn't kill their own assets. They're not going to shoot her plane down. But what they are going to do is they're going to start their blockade on Taiwan. That's what they're going to do. We talked about that Oh, what was, what's it been now, Bruce? About a month or two. We just replayed it not too long ago, where there was a conversation in, um, I want to say it was uh, Guangdong City is where the conversation was, and, or Guangdong Province, I'm sorry, Guangdong Province, where they said that they were working on, I think it was like, uh, it was just over 70, 10,000 ton uh, roll-on, roll-off ships. And they were looking to make a landing somewhere. They were changing over their merchant ships. But the bigger thing was that they were going to set up a blockade around Taiwan. This is the uh, insiders at uh, Luda Media where they were talking about this recording that they smuggled out of Guangdong province from top People's Liberation Army generals where they were going to do this. When was the blockade due to take place? On or around the 1st of August. That's today at time of recording. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, is on her way to Taipei, Taiwan today. She had to stop off in Hawaii uh, to refuel the plane, probably to hit the cocktail bar too. So I yeah, just just guessing. But last night, in the middle of the night, they changed her itinerary just magically. No, she wasn't going to go to Taiwan. No, she was going to go to Singapore and a couple other places, Thailand, I think. But then they changed her itinerary in the middle of the night last night. I was watching because I was awake, obviously, time difference. They changed it while everybody was asleep. But they did it about the middle of the afternoon for China, just in time for afternoon tea for Beijing is when they changed the itinerary. And wouldn't you know it, oh, you know, the speaker, she's going to go to Taipei. She's going to go to Taiwan now. Well, upon hearing that, China shut down air and naval traffic in the Taiwan Strait. They're performing military exercises. They, they were, you see, Bruce, they were needed, the military exercises. They had to do them then. 
They've warned of severe consequences if Pelosi touches down in Taiwan. The U.S. has deployed ships and planes near Taiwan, so there's definitely a buildup going on over there. We've sent our carrier strike group. They entered the South China Sea, what was it, 48 hours ago? But no one knows its exact location. Obviously, you're not going to say that. Uh, the Chinese People's Liberation Army posted a new propaganda video of their naval ships blasting all kinds of stuff on their WeChat channel today. I mean, it was it was a nice two and a half minutes of propaganda and, you know, all that stuff. I'm not even going to bother to play it here because it's all in Mandarin, so I'm not going to mess with it. But then you've got British members of parliament that say, oh, we're going to go over there, too. Does this sound like Kiev 2.0? It does. Kiev, obviously, that's the capital of Ukraine, capital city of Ukraine, Taipei. It's the capital city of Taiwan. Sounds like they're gearing up for a new uh, new round of Netflix productions is what it sounds like. But yet you've got different actors on this stage. It's the same game. They're going to go in and they're going to wreck everything that's going on inside of Ukraine using Putin. Again, Putin is not against these people. Putin's with him, but Putin is also the scapegoat. They can blame him for everything, while in reality, they're for what he's doing. They are for what he's doing, so they can collapse everything here on us. They can blame him. They won't get the blame for themselves from the average person. The average person that's still out there wearing a mask on their fifth jab now is saying, oh my God, that Putin, that evil Putin. I'm not going to disagree with that part. I think he is a bad guy, but that doesn't mean the people that run us are any better. Zelensky, that guy's just a whatever that guy is. He's been promised some kind of, I don't know, a Hollywood deal or something. I mean, we were talking about it with Pavel. He'll go off and write books and do whatever, and he'll go down as as whatever. Right. Same thing with the people that are on the inner circle over there with all that money that's going into that place right now. All these people in Zelensky's inner circle and Zelensky himself, they're buying chalets in Switzerland. You know what that means? That means they're buying their retirement homes when all this is over. That's what that means. That's their golden parachute place. So Pelosi, getting back to that Pelosi, going to Taiwan and China responding to that? No, 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 no. I'll tell you what that is. That's China being given permission to blockade Taiwan or perform some type of a naval act around that island, that island nation. Yes, I said that because the White House certainly is going to say it. What's the White House say? Well, the White House says repeatedly said that we oppose any unilateral changes to the status quo from either side. We have said that we do not support Taiwan independence. You see, they're not going to say that, but I'll say it because I'm not a bought and paid for hack. Why do they want Taiwan so bad? Why do the Chinese government, well, the Chinese Communist Party more specifically, why do they want it so bad? Well, it's pretty simple. It's an embarrassment, just like Hong Kong is. It's an embarrassment to them. They do better economically. They do better financially. They do better from a manufacturing standpoint, from a cultural standpoint. They treat their people better. People live with dignity and respect. They have money in their pockets. They own things. They don't starve. There's no suffering. There's no injustice. So it's an embarrassment to them. More than that, let's go back to the end of the war. What happened when you had that ragtag group of people in the mountains that we were arming with the office of the OSS, which is what we know as the CIA today? What happened when Chiang Kai-shek was defeated? Well, he and his group of people, who, by the way, were the legitimate rulers of China at the time, the legitimate government of China, they fled to the island of Taiwan and they established the government in exile there. Taiwan is the legitimate government of China. That's why they're embarrassed by it. You see, they're trying to abide by the one China policy. They're looking for peaceful reintegration. Is that what Xi says? Yeah. Mao solidified the rule of the CCP by implementing Marxism being funded by corrupt elements within our United States government. That's mainline history. That is mainline history. Anybody can go and look that up. That's in history book after history book after history book that I've read in more than one account. And so they have to 
erase that little part of history. They have to make sure that nobody finds out about that. And of course, once you had, see, let, let me just follow this trail a little bit more. Once you had Chiang Kai-shek, once he outlived his usefulness in Taiwan, where did he go? Because remember, Mao was put in by the OSS, right? The weapon shipments that we were supposed to send Chiang Kai-shek, oh, they didn't have firing pins in them. They were dud shells for the guns. Uh, boy, we just, that, you know what? We misplaced that um, that barrel for that gun. We're awful sorry about that. And those weapon shipments, a lot of them, they got diverted to the rebels up in the mountains run by a guy named Mao Zedong. And after Chiang Kai-shek had fled to the island of Taiwan, they established the government in exile there. And Chiang Kai-shek left Taiwan. Where did his army go? Does anybody know? Hmm. Well, they stayed in Southeast Asia. They went to Vietnam, didn't they? Hmm. We got involved in Vietnam, didn't we? Well, at least we tried not to. And then when John F. Kennedy tried to pull us out of there and shut down the CIA and shut down the central banking cartel, well, he was put in a box two weeks later, wasn't he? Chiang Kai-shek and his defeated army ran the opium fields, the heroin fields, out of Vietnam. We were running drugs, starting the opioid crisis in America during the Vietnam War because we stayed in there. That's when it all began, at least the opioid side of things. That's when it all began. And then it's convenient. Back in the 80s, we had uh, that one paper that was released that all media and all doctors said, oh, no, these these opioids, they're safe. They don't cause addictions. It's really, really low rare case and that wasn't even that was basically an opinion article there was no factual evidence in that at all and more to the point that's that's an interesting fact you bring up there during the vietnam era the 70s that's when it turned into the street drug they actually made a movie on it this is where the united states army was involved in drug smuggling they smuggled it back in the coffins of the dead soldiers that were killed by the viet cong there was a movie they made about it. It was called, um, uh, what was it? Uh, it was Denzel Washington. I'm trying to think here. Um, American Gangster is what it was called. It was a great film. Uh, it was a true story. It's based on a true story. But see, that was the street drug side of things. What you're talking about is the medical side of things. This is where they got it into the households. That's where it got into the families. That's where it got into the communities. You know, I was having a, a conversation with a small business owner when I was back in the States the last time. And he asked me, he said, how's the opioid problem where you live over there in Europe? And I said, it's non-existent. It doesn't exist. I mean, there are places where it does exist in Europe and, and here, of course. Of course there are. But it's not here specifically where I'm at. I, I mean, there's not really a drug problem of any kind. And where I come from, the small town I come from, man, there's just there's drugs all over the place now. It's just drugs, crime, deindustrialization. It's just it is a hellish nightmare. And I agree with what this person said to me. The drug dealer, the heroin dealer, the opioid dealer is the worst kind of terrorist. Why? Why is that the worst kind of terrorist? Well, your normal average run-of-the-mill terrorist that everybody sees, everybody thinks of is the suicide bomber, right? I mean, you think of terrorists, that's what comes to your comes to your mind, right? Or the guy that goes in and, I don't know, shoots up a nightclub or something. That's what they do. They go in and they, they take as many innocent lives as humanly possible in cold blood, and then they usually take their own lives because they want to become some kind of a martyr or something. That's usually what people view as a terrorist. In this case... When you have an opioid dealer, or dare I say, a pill-pushing doctor, dare I say that? They're not any different. Or I'll go a step further. The pharmaceutical companies that manufacture them in the first place? Why do we have, oh, I don't know, 50 billion doses of opioids in the United States when we don't have a need for even a tenth of that? Could it be possible that the pharmaceutical companies are working these into street drugs as well? 
No, say it's not so. Might be brought to you by Pfizer. Yeah. And then you have cartels that are doing it. We have recent research that shows those opioids don't actually kill pain. And this is recent research. Worst kind of terrorist, because your average run of the mill terrorist that everybody thinks of that I just explained, they go in and they do whatever to a bunch of innocent people. You can see that on a mass scale. They'll put it on the news somewhere if it fits the agenda. But an opioid dealer, a drug dealer, they'll go in and destroy families without the family even knowing it. They'll destroy whole communities without the community even knowing it until it's too late. I'm seeing now home break-ins. This is back in the States where, where I grew up. When I grew up, it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, it was quiet, peaceful. I mean, people lived just as you would. I mean, neighborhoods were full of kids and people like our parents and stuff. They all worked in the, the factories and things and whatever small businesses they had around. That's that's what people did. But that's all gone now. All the corporations have moved in. You've got zero growth. None. You haven't had growth in a long time. You think that McDonald's coming into your town or a Burger King coming into your town, you think that's growth? No, that's outside money that's being brought into the community. That's zero growth. They're offering minimum wage entry level jobs and putting nothing back into that community. And they're making you unhealthy and sick on top of it. So you fall into the healthcare industry, which is what it is over there. It's an industry. It's not a it's not an actual care service. Because let's face it, in America, when you go into the hospitals or a doctor's office, you're not a patient, you're a customer. And they want to sell you something. Yeah, sick care. Sick care. It's exactly what it is. Somebody told me last week, they said, we're building more hospitals instead of actually fixing the problem. I said, yeah, you're not fixing the problem. You're not, you're not promoting healthy lifestyles. You're not uh, promoting people eat healthy and, uh, and go work out, get this much exercise or anything. You're, you're not doing any of that. You're selling weight loss products all over the place. I mean, Americans, we spend more on weight loss products than we do actual healthy food and working out. We spend more time and money on things that actually don't work than things that actually do. It's incredible to me. It's incredible. Anyway, to pull Jen Psaki. Yeah, she, she is missed, isn't she? To pull Jen Psaki, to circle back to Speaker Pelosi. How are you going to know? How are you going to know if she goes to Taiwan? How are you going to know that? Well, let's, let's see what the useless reporter asked to the useless individual that's standing up there that said, no, we don't recognize Taiwan independence. We don't support it. If she does go to Taiwan, how will the White House find out about it? Now, you see that she's she's flying aboard a military aircraft. So we'll know. We'll know. Uh, is it possible that if this was indeed a real thing? I mean, again, I think this is all political theater that we're about to see again. But if this was all a real thing, like, would you even halfway think about saying something like that publicly? No, you would not. No, that's a security risk. You don't tell your enemy that, hey, we're going to send over one of the government officials on this specific plane. You third don't tell line, them that. The, th the third in yeah. line for the presidency. We're going to send over the number three person uh, on this airplane. You want the tail number? Do you, do you want the transponder code for it? I mean, that's all they're, they're not giving them. They probably them. already know. They well, probably already know, to be fair, because Pelosi is a she is a member of the CCP, because how else do you do business there? You, you have to true. be approved by the CCP. So, yeah, that is true. That is true. And again, as Posobiec said today, if you're at the CCP, you don't get rid of your assets. She's a good asset. Third in line for the U.S. presidency. Why would they get rid of that person? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't play. Well, I mean, technically, they have the president and the vice, I would say. But yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know something? I don't know about Kamala. Does she have any ties? Maybe. I don't know. So that I would say yes, just because of uh, how the politics work. 
However, I don't have any like, okay, this is the dealing that she did. I, I don't have any of those kind of things, but I do believe she is doing it because uh, how many politicians do you know that aren't? Uh, it, it's possible that Kamala isn't and she's just uh, uh, in an empty vessel, if you will. A um, Well, I mean, let's be honest how she got there and her position. It's not exactly because of her uh, political prowess. What are you trying to say, Bruce? Are you trying to say that she's she trying to say she's not legitimate in oh, there? No, you're trying I, to I'm, I'm saying she's very talented at a specific skill set. Yeah, we, we all know how she what was it? She was the attorney general of California. Is that what it was? Yeah, she was uh, originally an aide and then uh, she got, um, you know, elevated to a elevated. position yeah. because of. Uh, <laughs> I'll bet she yeah, did. Yeah, I'll bet she interactions. Did. Yes. Yeah, I bet. But yeah, okay. Uh, so Pelosi's going to Taiwan. Again, you're not going to see anything new here. You're going to see more theater. Th this is a show. That's what this is. This is a show. China is in serious economic trouble. They are in serious economic trouble. I read today, they're on the hook. The Chinese banks are on the hook for $350 billion in mortgage debt. And that's as you were saying, Bruce, that's probably just the interest that they need to pay to avoid default. And they were only able to raise what what we saw today. They were only able to raise forty four billion in order to cover that. That's for, let me see forty four billion three hundred fifty. But that's not three hundred fifty billion. I mean, I'm not a mathematician or anything, but I think you fell a little short. Yeah, it sounds like an interest payment, if you ask me. Yeah, but see, if you're China and you're about to default economically, and of course they've they've got the uh, well, you know the COVID is just crazy over there. It's it's out of control. They've got 257 million citizens in lockdown, and and it's it's all over the cities, and they don't know what they're going to do, and and they're testing, they're tracing, they're isolating, and yeah, they just can't seem to get it under control. Could it be that they're in a whole hell of a lot more trouble, and they need to switch to a wartime economy? Could it be that? And see to avoid any type of humiliation from their uh, mismanagement of finances. Because let's be honest, what Marxist in all of human history, what Marxist has actually been a good finance person? Any of them? No. Marxists are not finance people. They're not. They're not finance uh, people. I, I don't know. It depends on what you consider good finances. I mean, look at Bernie Sanders, you know. I mean, he makes pretty good money uh you know look at uh, okay that's not finances that's that's exploitation and money laundering is all that is running it through your own yeah, potato potato plan. you know yeah, busting out colleges you know that's yeah that's yeah sure potato potato <laughs> so yeah if you're china and you're in a lot of trouble economically then you're going to be looking for any excuse right you're going to want to avoid that humiliation on the world stage if there's one thing that the chinese communist party cannot have it and you know what i shouldn't even say that i should go wider than that i should go more more broadly than that if there's one thing that asiatic cultures in general do not like it's humiliation being humiliated why do you think the japanese didn't surrender to us after hiroshima we had to do nagasaki too because they didn't give up after Hiroshima, because it was too much of a humiliation. Not even everybody within the inner circle of the, the elite's government at the time agreed. They wanted to keep on going because it was too much of a humiliation to them. The Asiatic countries are very prideful. They're very prideful people, and they do not take kindly to humiliation, especially to themselves. So it's got to be that way, doesn't it? They have to avoid humiliation, and they're going to do it at the expense of political theater for everyone else. And as you know, 
the Chinese Communist Party, they are very good at political theater. As a matter of fact, Bruce, you and I, uh, we looked at some of that political theater just a little bit ago before we started in prep. You know, the Chinese, they've got this this immaculate space program and they've got this uh, this space station that's up in orbit that nobody's ever actually seen. But it's there. They assure us it's there. There was one little problem uh, that they forgot to correct. I mean, somebody must have gotten fired for that one. You could you can better. They got COVID and they ma- magically disappeared. The Chinese Communist Party, they're so good that they've actually been able to break the laws of gravity in space, in orbit. They've been able to break the laws of gravity. There was a glass of water that was sitting on the uh, on the table there next to the area where the astronauts, I'm doing the air quotes, astronauts were standing weightless. What was unique about that glass of water it was all in the glass, wasn't it? Yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, it was what, about uh, four fifths full, roughly? And it had the top half of the glass was full of air. That doesn't happen in space. In space, that would be floating around. Even if that container was sealed, it would still be floating around in globs or bubbles, not um, not solid like it was on, uh, you know, gravity on Earth. Yeah. Again, political theater. It's all political theater. I don't think the Chinese have actually been to space. That's just my guess. Now, do I believe they've put up satellites and things? Yeah, I, I, that I do believe. But let's be honest. Are they actually able to stay in a in in some type of a of an orbit? Because there's something falling out of orbit from China. I think every other day now, uh, or every other week, there was a piece of space trash that was like a hundred feet long that fell out of the uh, fell out of the sky a couple of days ago. I think I'm not sure. I think the time before this, something fell out of uh, fell out of orbit, and I think what was it landed like a hundred feet from somebody. Yeah, I, I might have actually hit a car or something. We're going to go ahead and kick out of here, unless you've got anything else. Bruce, do you have anything else? I do not. All right, we're going to go ahead and jump out of here. So for those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. That's all, just five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up and get to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening. 